Welcome to Hashtags and Stilettos with Sakita Holly, the podcast that's like having your own personal publicist in your pocket, sharing business, lifestyle, and PR tips on demand. Today's episode is all about you. I'll be answering your most pressing business, career, and PR questions straight out of my inbox. If you ever have a question that you'd like answered on the show, you can email it to hashtags at hos-pr.com. You can also join the conversation online using the hashtag hashtags and stilettos, and you can follow the podcast on Instagram at hashtags and stilettos, and you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Miss Success. That's M-I-S-S Success. Before I jump into the first question, I actually have some really exciting news to share with you. I will be hosting the very first Hashtags and Stilettos meetup later this month. Yes! Okay. And if you'd like to be among the first to receive the announcement about this event and other news, you can text the word hashtags with an S to 444-999 on your cell phone to join the email list, and then you can follow the instructions on your screen. You'll also be in the loop for all future podcast announcements and events. It's been almost a year since I launched this podcast. That's crazy to me. And while I've enjoyed talking to some of you online, I think it's time we met and had a little bit of fun offline in the real world. So again, to get on the hashtags and stilettos mailing list and receive the announcement about this upcoming event, text the word hashtags to 444-999 and follow the instructions on your screen. Again, that's text the word hashtags to 444-999 and follow the instructions on your screen to join the email list. Now let's jump into the first question, which comes from someone who owns a small accessories line. The question is, I do not currently have a customer service phone number. I am available via email only. Honestly, my email response time is sometimes two to three days. I simply just do not have the time to take phone calls as it would keep me away from doing my actual work. Is this unacceptable? So this is a great question. Um, And it's important to remember that customers are the lifeblood of your business. And if they're not happy or if they feel neglected in any way, they will find an alternative to whatever it is that you're selling elsewhere. And because you're a solopreneur, I believe, I definitely wouldn't advise uh, you to create a phone number that people could call because I understand that that would definitely pull you away from the work. But what I would suggest you do is to go through the questions that you've received to date and compile the most popular ones into a frequently asked question guide that you can easily add to your website and that you can link and post other places as well. You should then have a separate email address specifically for customer service requests. Once you create this email address, you can make an autoresponder with a quick note that says, hello, thank you for your inquiry and your interest in XXX. You will receive a response to your email within the next 48 hours. In the meantime, you should check out our FAQ page to see if we've already answered your question. Thank you. Now, this way you're saving yourself a lot of time from having to individually answer the same questions over and over. But And this is important. Like if somebody does email you and you know you've already answered their question on the FAQ page, that does not give you the right, nor should you, ignore that email. Kindly respond and thank them for reaching out and then provide a link to where they can find the answer. 
Customers are very easy to please, and it's the simple things such as adding a personal touch by responding to their messages or making sure that you're answering all of their questions that go a really, really, really long way to keeping them loyal to your business. And as your business grows, customer service, if that's where you find that you're spending the most time, that should definitely be the area where you consider making um, your first hire. So that's my that's my answer to that question is to create do a lot of the work up front by creating that FAQ guide, putting it, you know, on your website so people can easily see it and easily find it and then direct people there whenever they ask you questions. This next question comes from an entrepreneur who is building their business from their home office. They asked I would like to bring on an intern, but I work from home and I feel uncomfortable having a stranger in my home. What options do I have for getting help? Should I just wait until I have a private office in the future? Now, this is a great question because there are so many entrepreneurs, so many freelancers and side hustlers who are working from home. And this is definitely something that I experienced early in my business. Like I am a super private person. And when I wanted to create an internship program, I felt the exact same way. I was like, I really, I don't really want to do this. They got to come over here. Like it bothered me. But because my business was and is my top priority, I had to really get over myself and get over those personal issues so that I could make this work. And altogether, I believe I had about four different interns, um, not all at the same time, of course. I I definitely spread their schedules out so that neither one of us would be overwhelmed by it. And it definitely worked out. We got a lot done. They got, you know, a great experience, um, great connections for when they moved on to their next role uh, outside of the company. But the truth is, I hated every single moment of it. It just wasn't It wasn't something that, you know, I was cool with, but it was something that I had to do. Um, It wasn't a terrible experience. I'm glad that I did it for the time that I uh, did have interns working out of the home office. But it's not something that I will jump and do again. But you know where you are in your business right now. And if there's a lot that needs to be done, if you're just not able to get it done and you want to add, you know, interns or hire part time uh, staff to, to assist you, that's something that you can consider. One of the other things that I was thinking about is, you know, if I'm uncomfortable How will a potential intern or potential hire feel about not having a designated workspace outside of the office? Um, If you're uncomfortable, chances are they may be uncomfortable too. Uh, But again, these are things that you have to consider. Like, how can I make, if I'm going to do this, how can I make this experience as comfortable and as enjoyable and as professional as possible? What boundaries do I need to set? You know, what guidelines do I need to set? Um, And one of the things that definitely helped me is that my act, my first PR internship was actually um, based out of a woman's apartment in New York. So I had that experience. She had converted um, one of her bedrooms into the office, and it was no big deal. 
it was just like, okay, here's where I'm going. You know, we got uh, so much work done um, and it was a great hands-on experience for me. So I, I think I felt a little bit better about it because I had been on the opposite end of that. And I knew that this can go, if you set it up the right way, it can go really well. Um, the good news for you is that it's 2016, so there are so many other examples of successful teams that have 100% remote workers, so I believe that that is also an option that you should consider. If you really don't want people in your apartment, you don't have to have them in your apartment. You can have your interns or employees work remotely, and there are so many different software options now that you can use to make the experience easier, um, such as Slack, there's Asana, Gchat, Google Hangouts, there's Skype. Um, and then depending on where they live, you can schedule periodic in-person meetings to enhance the relationship, build rapport, and to get work uh, that isn't easily handled remotely completed as a team. So you have a couple of options there, um, but definitely don't feel like, oh my gosh, I'm you know being extra or too much. You feel how you feel, and those feelings are very, are very valid. So you have to kind of take those feelings into account and then think about what is the best move for your business, what's the best move for your potential hires and interns, and act accordingly. Okay, the next question is from another accessories designer. They wrote, I receive requests from customers to make cufflinks, tie bars, and many different types of jewelry. I can do this, but I simply don't want to. I don't want to be a jack of all trades. Business is going just fine with the current lineup of products, and I don't want to carry additional inventory or have products that need heavy promotion to sell. Am I losing out on valuable business, or should I continue to refer those customers elsewhere? Hmm. <clears throat> it's great that you have a clear point of differentiation for your business and that you have customers who are so invested that they want you to serve more of their needs. So that, first of all, that's a great thing. So you should be happy about that. Um, and I think that my answer is going to be in two parts. I think the first part is that you can continue doing exactly what you're doing and that is focusing on your main product line and sticking to that. But if you're already referring customers to other businesses, you should try to strike up some kind of partnership or affiliate deal with those businesses so that you can benefit from your referrals. Many of the other businesses will likely be willing to give you some kind of code so that your customers can use it, and any of the sales that you've generated are easily identifiable, and you can get a, a potentially get a percentage of those sales. This way, you don't have to change a thing, um, but you create a potential new stream of revenue um, since you're already referring people to these other businesses for the items that they are requesting from you. The second part of my answer is that you can consider offering a premium bespoke service where you will make the requested item, but of course, this is going to cost the customer a bit more money than your usual price point. This way, your customer is happy that they can keep coming to a business that they trust and you're able to have another stream of revenue if you wanted it. The last option would be to create one-off limited capsule collections with the specialty items. So you could have a limited collection for holiday or other special occasions such as graduations. Um, yeah, so that's, that's three different options just to kind of recap. 
Don't change a thing, but partner with the other businesses where you are referring customers so that you can get some type of kickback from your referrals. You could offer a premium bespoke and custom service where people pay a pretty penny to have you make those items that they want. Um, And the third thing, I know I said it was a two-part answer, but the third thing is you can consider doing limited capsule collections where you can say, I'm making X amount of these items and they will never be back again. So it's only available for holiday or it's only available for this graduation season, whatever the case may be. And that's it. Buy now or you're going to be mad. <laughs> but yeah, good luck. I, I Again, the, the thing for you is that I love that you have that point of differentiation for your business. And I love that you have customers that are like, yeah, we love this, but we want more. So you're in a really, 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 really good spot. So the fourth question is about social media. This person wrote and asked, how can I get customers to be more active on social media? I want them to be ambassadors for the brand so I don't have to find models elsewhere. What can I do to get a hashtag popping with customers posting photos wearing our products? Hmm. <clears throat> so your customers are going to follow whatever lead you set. So you have to give them a clear lead to follow. I went to look at your social media pages and you're missing a huge opportunity by not featuring your desired hashtag in all of your account bios. You can change a portion of the bio to say use hashtag XXX to be featured. Um, and that that's one way, but also in your own photo captions, you should be using your desired hashtag. And when you post other people's photos, you can also occasionally include in the caption a note that says, and if you'd like to be featured, use hashtag XXX. I also noticed that even when you are including your hashtag, it is buried in a list of about 15 to 20 different hashtags. So as a customer, I'm not going to sit there and read through that. Um, So what you need to do is only use your hashtag in the caption and move the other related hashtags to your comment section because they will still populate your photos in those categories, even if it's not in the caption. You can also design and create social media graphics featuring your hashtag or the directions for how people can be featured on your page for wearing your products. Those are just a few ways you can do it. Um, It's all about giving the customer prompts so that they know what you want them to do. Um, This is the easiest way to kind of get them to start using it because I'm sure if they're buying from you, they're already posting some type of photo in the product, but they may, you may not be able to find it because they're they're not, you know, familiar with the hashtag that you'd like them to use. And while we're talking about hashtags specifically on Instagram, it's important to note that if you see someone wearing your product and you include your hashtag in in their comment section like as a comment, it won't populate in your hashtag feed because it has to be added by the content owner in order to show up. So on these posts, you can comment, you know, just with a compliment about how they look in the product, but you can also ask them kindly, hey, could you add the hashtag XXX to your caption so that it can show up on our feed and so that we can find your easily find your photo and repost it on our own timeline. 
So that's a, a quick way that you can kind of s- start building that momentum on your hashtag um, and start uh, training people, really training your customers to begin to use your hashtag. Okay, so the fifth question is <clears throat> a bit of a long one. So here it goes. It says, they said, I just discovered your podcast and I effing love it. Thank you. Thank you very much. I contacted you to get some help. I opened up a small online boutique a few years ago. Sales were great when I first started, so I kept up with it. I haven't had any complaints, but sales have dropped drastically. My ultimate goal is to eventually open up a brick and mortar store. I hear nothing but great things from strangers about my business. I do a lot of events where I participate as a vendor and I do extremely well. I have worked with stylists who will put pull items from my store for their celebrity clientele, but I still haven't sold anything lately. I do influencer posts and nothing sells. I have hired YouTube influencers and nothing sells. I've done my own lookbook video, nothing sells. I am pretty much really active on social media, but I have no idea how to get back to the point where I used to be. What should I be doing? So I looked through your website and all of your social media, and you definitely have some cute pieces, but overall, there isn't really a clear story being presented to the customer about who your store is for or what you want to be known for. It also doesn't seem as if you frequently add new inventory, and the stuff that you do have, it appears that it could easily be found at another boutique or retailer. So you definitely have a little bit of a dilemma on your hands. So let's do this. Think about the way that you shop. Like you probably have a list of stores that you go to for specific items. For instance, right now I'm really into Old Navy for jeans. If I'm looking for something that's cute and business casual that has a little bit of stretch in it, then I'm gonna go and you know look to an Antero Loft. Or if I'm looking for random pieces that can complete a look, I'll go to an H&M or Zara. And think about how that translates to your store. Like how the way you shop translates to what you're trying to build uh, with your store online. If I'm looking for a dress and I go to your website and you only have two dresses and I don't like either style or if my size is unavailable, I'm out. In that moment, you've lost me as a customer. And because you have such a limited selection of dresses or whatever item I went to look for, I'm not going to add you to my mental list of places to look next time. So you have to do a bit of soul searching to figure out what your boutique is going to be known for, and then you can create your collection and stock inventory according to that. You should also look at the data from your initial sales that you received when you opened or the items that people purchase whenever you're a vendor at events. If people are purchasing the same thing over and over, or if they're purchasing from a specific category, say your shirts or skirts or dresses do really well, then you should consider moving in that direction and building a deeper collection and inventory around your most popular items, and then get rid of the items that aren't selling at all so that you can you know, really hone in and focus on what does well. With the current mix of items that you have on your site, it appears that you're trying to have at least one thing for everyone, but you end up alienating a lot of potential customers in the process based on some of the reasons that I've already shared. Like people go to have go-to places for different items of clothing. Like take a look at other online boutiques that do really well. There's one that is known for the bandage or body conscious style dresses. And while they do have other items in their inventory, 
the dresses are the focal point and that's kind of what they build out in terms of their collection and they make sure that they constantly have you know new ones being added to the site there's another online boutique that is amazing for bodysuits there's another one that I can think of that is amazing for rompers in those two-piece sets so you really have to figure out what you want your store's differentiator to be Another thing I noticed is that on your social media, when you share photos of models wearing items from your collection, all of your captions are the same. They all say, get the look, and it includes a link to your website. That is a huge missed opportunity to give more information about each item and to tell a story. Where can she wear this outfit? How many people have purchased it? Is it a popular item? Do you only have two left and you're never going to bring it back to the store again? Can you create a frenzy around it? Could you share photos of three different people with three different body types all looking amazing in this one outfit? Really think about the way you shop and the things that trigger you to purchase an item of clothing online. And think about the shopping experiences that have wowed you the most and figure out how you can incorporate those elements into what you're doing because there's really nothing right now on your site or on your social media that draws the customer in and there's definitely nothing to keep her coming back. Okay, the last question is, how do I get myself into the public relations field? I am really interested in being an intern for a PR firm. I believe that would be a good way for me to get a hands-on experience on what it takes to be a publicist. I really enjoyed the Sakita Method episode of the podcast, and I plan to listen to it again and take some notes. Okay, this is a great question, and my answer is not is going to be universal, so it's not just going to be about how to break into PR, but you can take these tips um, and apply it to wherever you are. If you're looking to get into a new industry, if you're thinking about interning in a different industry, if you're thinking about like how to get clients or things like that, these are general tips that you can use no matter where you are, so not just specific to PR. So, um, and also for those of you who are new to the podcast, the Sakita method to creating your own look is from episode 24. And in that episode, I outlined the 10 steps that I believe can guarantee that you get the new job you want or that you get a new client or customer for your business. So to the person who asked this question about breaking into the PR field, I mean, there really is no better answer than what I outlined in the Sakita method because I really break down the process that I've used for years. And I even read one of the emails that I wrote that got me invited to interview um, and got and secured a PR internship for me almost 10 years ago. However, one of the things that I didn't mention in the episode and that I don't believe that I've talked about before is what I did before my PR in my first PR internship. And I think that this will be very helpful to you. A little bit of background. When I first started undergrad, I was a pre-med major in a PR minor because I just knew that I was going to be an OBGYN, but not just any OBGYN, right? I was going to be the one that would be getting quoted in magazines and featured in different places as an expert on maternal health and in childbirth and, and all those lovely things. But then after my freshman year, I switched my major to PR and my minor to entrepreneurship. And once I made that switch, I just jumped into everything head first. I secured an internship for the summer 
um, before I had taken any PR classes. Um, in that next semester, I was going to have all general classes. So before my internship started, like I could have waited and just did the internship and just, you know, saw what it was, but that's not how I get down at all. So before my internship, I went to the local library and checked out about 10 different books on PR. I got something like PR writing. I got like a bio on like somebody who is big in the field. I checked out like PR for dummies. P- I mean, anything that I could find that was relevant to the field, I checked it out and I read uh, over the course of several weeks, I read every single one of those books so that when I started my internship, I had a basic knowledge of what would be expected of me and how certain parts of my role were to be executed. And this gave me a huge advantage because I was able to get a lot of responsibility very quickly and have a real and measured impact on my account team. So if you want to break into the PR fields or any field. And if you want to secure an internship, obviously you need to start by applying for those internships. But I will also suggest you go the extra mile and educate yourself. Start reading different books and find different PR related articles so that you can educate yourself about the field before you even get into it. There's no reason with all these resources available with the local library open and ready for you and free, there's no reason for you to wait. There's PRWeek.com, there's PRNews.com, there's AdAge and AdWeek's marketing sections. Those are some great online resources. Or if you're interested in a specific niche um, of PR, such as fashion, you can check out PRCouture.com, or you can look up related blogs or sites online. Another option while you're waiting to secure an internship in PR or any other field is you can, while you're an undergrad, you can sign up for the PR committee for different on-campus organizations, or you can volunteer here on the communications or PR team at your local church or a small business in your area so that you can shadow someone who knows what they're doing. This is all experience that you can then add to your resume that will be more attractive to prospective employers later. The key really is to get obsessed. Whatever you feel like you want to do, whatever direction you want to take your career, become obsessed. This person, you know, emailed me and wanted to talk to me, but a conversation with me is going to, it's going to provide some guidance and point you in the right direction, but you still have to do the work. You still have to prove to not just your, me. you don't have to prove anything to me, but to yourself and to future employers, whether it's an internship or an entry-level position, that you actually want to be there? What are some things that you've done that indicate, that show that this is something that you take very seriously? A lot of people, when it comes to getting a new job, getting an internship, they think they sit and wait for an opportunity to be handed to them. They wait for a door to just automatically open as they get closer to it. Or, you know, when you're driving and it, you hit that perfect stride and all the lights just turn green right as you get to them, that's how people view their careers. And that's not realistic. If you're not dead ass serious about making this internship happen, and yes, it's just an internship, but those really will set the tone for where your career is going to go. Having conversations with with people in the field is great, but what are you doing specifically to prepare yourself for that internship? What are you doing to make yourself attractive to an employer? If you haven't taken any PR classes like I hadn't at the time, they didn't even know. I came in and, and I just, because I had done that research, 
I was I knew what I was talking about when certain industry terms were used or certain things were requested. Okay, we need a press release for this. We need a media kit. We need you to make a list, and you know we're going to do a a, so, a satellite media tour and SMT. Like I knew what they were talking about because I had read books that covered the basics. So then it was all about okay. Now I'm going to le- I learned by reading and educating myself. Now I'm going to learn by doing and putting those pieces of knowledge into practice. So really what I would say is how can you get into this field? Be obsessed. Do the extra legwork. Conversations are great, but take your behind to the library. Log on to your internet and find some PR resources that you can kind of follow and keep up with. And beast it. Be really, really good once you get an opportunity and work your ass off. So that is... That's the last question I'll answer for today. There are some other questions, but I will hold those for a future Q&A episode. Thank you for listening to another episode of Hashtags and Stilettos. Again, if you ever have a question that you'd like answered on the show, you can email it to hashtags at hos-pr.com. As I mentioned at the start of this episode, I have some exciting news and announcements coming up soon. So if you'd like to be included on the email list so that you get all the news first, text hashtags with an S to 444-999 and follow the instructions on your phone screen. You can also join the conversation online using the hashtag hashtags and stilettos. And you can follow the podcast on Instagram at hashtags and stilettos. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Miss Success. That's M-I-S-S Success. And one last time, to join the email list, text the word hashtags, all one word, with an S to 444-999 and follow the instructions on your phone screen.